We're at time. We're going to go out camp and kind of get you guys that are going ready for camp. And uh, those of you guys who are not going, so you can see what you're going to be missing out on. So uh, the theme is Endure. Hopefully you already know that. Uh, our theme verse, somebody open to 2 Timothy 2.3. Whoops. Actually, everybody open to 2 Timothy 2.3 and somebody read it. Okay, so I prayed about this theme for a while this year and it took me kind of forever to land on it. So um, that verse, Endure Hardness as a Good Soldier, we've had like three camps out of the last five camps, I think that have been soldier-themed. I didn't even think about this when I put this shirt on today. This is from four years ago, and it is battle-ready. So we do a lot of, like, soldier-themed things. We just did a VBS that was uh, Armor of God-themed. So the theme of this camp is not going to be about soldiers or battle, things like that. Um, but that verse, really, the first two words, endure hardness, is kind of the the theme of what we're going to be talking about at camp. So... Uh, I gave Mason, so Mason Wilson, he's the youth pastor, uh, or he was the youth pastor at Harvest Baptist in Iola. He is now the, I think it's discipleship pastor or associate pastor or maybe both. Uh, he's passed the youth off to somebody else just earlier this year. But he was a youth pastor for like 10 years, and I'll let him give you guys his uh, testimony whenever we have camp. But basically I gave him this verse, and I gave him Hebrews chapter 12, which we'll, we'll look at a little bit of that here in a minute. As kind of the themes that we that I wanted to hit on this year, yes. I doubt that. Let's ask these kind of questions afterwards. This has nothing to do with teaching, uh, but I will answer your question. Uh, okay, so we we being like uh, American Christians or just Americans in general do not really know how to endure hardness at all. Um, we don't, we're not very good at dealing with difficult things. We're not de- very good at being patient. We're not very good at, uh, you know, like our problems are really not big problems. Like it's a big problem at my house if the Wi-Fi goes down or if, uh, you know, the iPad is dead or like those are not real life problems. Uh, even though in 2023 America, we feel like those are problems, um, if we go somewhere and we don't have cell service, that's like a big problem. Uh, that's not really a big problem. Uh, we used to go to campgrounds that didn't have AC. That was a little bit more of a problem, but in reality, that's not that big of a problem in the whole scope of things. Yes, Hallie? It's possible, but we're gonna get we're gonna get to that. So. Okay, so I'm not I'm not against having technology. I'm not saying that uh, you know your Wi-Fi being down is not a problem, but in the scope of human history, those things have not really even been Elias have not been super uh, accessible. I we went to some of you guys know we went to Mexico. Uh, our family did a couple weeks ago, and I was kind of bummed when I got on the plane that there was no TV screens. If you guys have been on a plane that has TV screens in the back of all the headrests. Usually on an international flight, if you're going overseas somewhere, is usually when they have them. Sometimes you get them on flights that are in the U.S. But uh, our plane did not have any t- 
TV screens, and I was kind of like, oh, that kind of stinks that we don't have TV screens. Now we have to read instead, or I have to play on my phone or my iPad or something else. So, uh, huh? Those are not real life problems, though. That was a that was a minor problem. Do you guys really have this many questions about what we're talking about? Holy cow! Yeah. There were no TV screens, so you could connect to like this Wi-Fi thing. Yeah. Yeah. Ours didn't have that either. Yes. Shh, guys. If it's if it's a problem that money can't that money can fix, it's not a real problem. That's a good that's a good Gwen Arneism. Yes. Did you have a question? No. Yes. Ladies on the couch, focus. What if you work from home on your tablet? Not a real life problem. It's not a real life problem. It's an inconvenience. It is not a problem. The fact that all of you guys are having such difficulties with this just further cements the point that I'm trying to make that we do not know how to endure hardness, like real hardness, because we don't even know what real hardness is. So I thought it might be kind of fun to talk to you guys about since you guys think, uh, take some of these things for granted, when do you guys think that most homes in the U.S. got electricity? <laughs> give, give me, give me a year, Jackson. Jackson, give me a year. Oh my gosh, you guys. 1974. All right, Elias, give me a year. All right, quick. 1852. 1852. All right, Lucas. Wait, 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 wait. You get one guess. Be quiet. 18. Or no, 1980. 82. All right. Elena, what do you think? This. So I'm talking about when 50% of homes got to electricity. Not like the first one, or not where like everyone has it, but half the homes had electricity in what year, Elena? I'm going to get everyone, just put your hands down. What? 50? Okay. I know. 60. 60? Jackson? 30. This was... Okay. All right. Okay. This is the year I was born. Okay? Come on now. Yes, Colton. 1984. 36, okay? Brianna, what do you think? No, don't ask me. You have to participate. I am more hurt that they were staying in the 80s. Yeah, I, I also am hurt by that. What is it? Give me a guess. I did not know this either. It's. I think it was in the 19. You're taking forever. You're killing me. 20. Juju. When? Not. 1950. 15. 15. Sorry. Ayla, when? Huh? 30. Cameron. 89. Oh my gosh. My sister was born in 89. Jessa. 23. No. Did you say what? Like. 18 people in front of you, you didn't catch on to what we're doing? All of you are guessing. 1919? 
2019. Hallie. Huh? 03. That's the year I graduated, not 19 though. Carter? I'm going to give you 1924. Babe? Uh, 1910. 10. Okay. The real answer. 1925, Carter. Oh, good job. Dang, bro. 1925, 55% of houses had it. By 1940, 85% had it. And by 1960, basically, basically everybody had it. So, yeah. That's pretty... Some of you guys, I mean, this is some of these guesses. Oh, man. Brutal. Okay, hey, I have another one. We're not going to have everybody guess on this one. How about indoor plumbing? You guys know what that even means? So indoor plumbing is running water, a flushing toilet, that kind of stuff. What was your question? What is what? Yes, okay, the percentages. The only year I have is... 55% 55% of the houses, so slightly more than half, okay. had indoor plumbing as of what year? Just give me like a few dates. I'm not going to write them all down. 16, what did you say? You think when I was born there was not running water in most households? Oh my gosh. 48? 43? 49? 60? 50? 32? 30! Nineteen forty. Nineteen fifteen years after electricity. Nineteen forty before half of households had somebody said forty. Okay. Alright, how about this? Alright. Air conditioning, not like a window unit, but like central air conditioning. Uh, this one, this is when did most homes get central air conditioning? Yes, just throw out some answers. You don't have to raise your hand. 83. You guys are not, you guys are not catching on to the trend that I was alive for most of these, okay? 400 BC. 55? 76, 74, 80, 65, 1960. Most of your guys' grandparents were probably born in the 50s or the 60s. To give you a frame of reference, some of your grandparents are older and didn't have AC. Some did. Uh, that's an average. My parents were born in 1961 and 1964. So, your grandpa was born in 1928? I bet not. Maybe your great-grandpa. I bet it was your great-grandpa. Okay, next. Cell phones. Now if, now if you guess when I was alive, I'm not going to feel so bad. All right. 
Yes, including that. Okay, the, so there's there's a. Okay, there's four numbers here. Guys, hey, shh, chill. Okay, what year do you guys think 36% of people had cell phones? Not a, not a smartphone, just a cell phone. 03, 97? 97s? 75s? 76s? 76s? 94s? 90s? 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 2005. Now we're almost to your guys' lifetime. These these people are 18 now. So if Bianca was here, I think she was born in 06. So 71% of people. All right, not smartphones. 53% of people. So the first iPhone came out. Does anybody know when the first iPhone came out? What year? 2007. Yes. 2007, first iPhone came out. So at what point do you think 53% of people had a smartphone? 8? 10? 10? 11? 12? Huh? The first iPhone came out in 7. Has to be after that. 9, no. How many, of you, how many of you guys were alive in 2013? Raise your hand. I guess it's all of you because you'd be 10 years old. All right. As of, as of this year, 91% of, 91% of people have a smartphone. This is in America. So my grandpa still has a flip phone, so. Not everyone has a smartphone yet, but uh, 91%, this is of adults, of course. I don't think even 90% of you guys have a phone. All right. All right, last two, guys. Home internet. Not, not, when, it, well, not when was the internet invented or created or discovered or whatever, but when did... When did 14% of households have internet in their house? What year? 1994? 1994? 2010. 96? 15. 96? 15? 97? Jessa and Brenda split the difference. 1995. Alright. Broadband, which I don't understand all the details. Basically, it's faster. 
not dial up anymore. What year do you guys think 50% of households had high speed internet access? 2026. 2026. 2016. 2016. 2007. 2007. You call it pop. All right. Wi Eighty-seven percent of people had access to it in 2019. Okay, that was the most up-to-date statistics that particular website had. All right. So, why does all this matter? Yes. Okay. So, all of this stuff. I think all of your guys' houses probably have all of these things now. Your parents probably all have smartphones. And it's become like uh, things to take for granted, basically. Uh, flip over to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5. Alright, so the more... The more reliant that we become on these kinds of things, again, my house has all of these things. I have no problem with these things. None of these things are evil. I'm not saying you shouldn't have uh, technology or any of that. But the more widely available they become, the more comfortable we get, the less able to endure hardness that we become. We start relying on these things as being necessities when for basically all of human history, these things have not even existed. Okay, But for us if we're without some of these things. All of us have had, like, there was a storm a few weeks ago. A lot of people lost power. Uh, I guess it wasn't even a few weeks ago. It was last week, wasn't it? Uh, it was two days ago. Did you lose power two days ago? Yeah. I'm talking about that hailstorm that we had, like, last week or the week before. Yeah, some people lost power then. So, oh, yeah, you were in uh, Florida, Colorado, yeah. Okay. Focus. Romans chapter 5. Is everybody there? Uh, Starting in verse verse 3. So, no. So, if we have to wait on things, if we don't, like, if if my power goes out, I am, you know, like, anxiously waiting for it to come back. If we have to wait on, like, if I order something online and it's not here in a couple days, I start wondering, like, what's taking it so long? Right? We, like, have lost all sense of patience. And uh, the, this verse says in Romans 5, verse 3, it says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. All right, so if we go back to VBA, which most of you guys were here for VBA, uh, we talked about the difference in the lies that the world tells and the truth that God's word tells, right? And so the more the more reliant we become, ladies on the couch, pay attention. The more reliant we become on technology and having access to things and, you know, the the comfort and the convenience that comes from, you know, I mean, you can basically get just about anything in a microwave or an air fryer, like we don't even have to really wait for that stuff. We have fast food access, right? You can order not if you live in Harrisonville, but you can order 
you know, most restaurants to deliver you things within like, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes. Uh, we don't really have to wait on a lot of things anymore. And uh, again, I'm not saying that that it's a sin to be impatient uh, or when things aren't working the way they're supposed to. But this verse tells us so that the, the world tells us that you should you deserve to have everything right away. Right. You, you deserve to have your indoor plumbing and your AC and your cell phones. And like these are things that you should have. And uh, and the Bible tells us, though, that we should glory in tribulations. What does the word glory mean? What's a synonym for glory? Yeah. Yes, that was the. She shouted out first. I'm sorry. She said. Re, she said rejoice, uh, which is the one I had written down. So we should be. Now this is like a a totally against. It's a counter countercultural idea. Elias, guys, how many of those do you guys have? Okay, you guys don't have to clean up all that trash. It's supposed to be one per person. Okay. Anyways, uh, this verse tells us though that we glory in our tribulations, we rejoice in our tribulations. What's a what's a synonym for tribulations? Hardship, problems. Uh, I've got pressure, affliction, trouble. Okay, none of us want to rejoice in those things. I don't want to rejoice when things are difficult. Okay, that's that's totally against what our culture teaches us. But the Bible says that we should glory in our tribulations also, not because we're, you know, crazy or not because we we enjoy pain or suffering, but the rest of that verse says, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. That is something definitely we do not have. I do not have a lot of patience when things don't go the way that they're supposed to go. Uh, but we're not just doing it. We're not just glorying in our tribulations and our difficult times so we can be more patient. That would also be a little bit crazy. But patience, uh, that worketh experience. Okay? And experience works hope, and hope makes not ashamed. Okay? So the Bible tells us that uh, when things are difficult, when you don't get what you think you deserve, or when you have to wait and be patient for something, that is ultimately going to work us towards... Um, Hope, right? The hope that lies within Jesus, or that lies uh, by gaining Jesus Christ. Uh, some of you guys were probably here, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before that. We had a missionary speaking in main service, uh, Derek Thomas. Or you guys, raise your hand if you were here for Derek Thomas. The guy, the missionary from the Ukraine. Alright, it was not this last Sunday, but the Sunday before. Anyways. He, he showed some pictures. He talked about the war in Ukraine. He talked about all the work that they're doing there, trying to distribute food and things like that, distribute uh, care packages. And, and But he mostly focused on just talking about the hardships and the difficulties and what these people are going through. And he showed a lot of pictures of like people's homes that have been destroyed by bombs. And he told stories of people who he had talked to that they're – you know, their hometown had been bombed or their wife had died in an explosion. Ladies on the couch. Seriously. Shh. Uh, he talked, to, he showed some pictures of like kids that were like covered in, uh, you know, like soot and stuff from bombs going off. And uh, the more he talked about that kind of stuff, that's a whole different level of like hardship than what we have to face. Right. And, and uh, just looking at those things and trying to put yourself in the situation of, you know, not knowing when you leave the house if 
your house is going to be bombed while you're gone or your school that you're going to for the day is going to be bombed. Like those kinds of things are things that we don't even, it's not, it's not that we don't, aren't worried about those things. Those things don't even really cross our minds, uh, until a guy like Derek Thomas comes in and starts sharing with us about like people that he's actually interacted with that these things have happened to. And so it brings like a whole different, uh, layer or a whole different level to our understanding of tribulation and suffering and difficult times. And so when you, when you step back and you look at, okay, these people, uh, these people are losing their family, they're losing their homes, they're losing, uh, you know, their ability to work. These people can't pay for stuff anymore. They, they can't buy food because their, their business has been destroyed or whatever. Uh, those are some, some really actually difficult things. And, uh, but when you read this passage, that his, his whole point of giving us all that information about these people was not just like, hey, you should feel sorry for the people of Ukraine. Uh, we should pray for them. We should desire to support them and we should, uh, be concerned for what's going on. But his whole point was like, this, this terrible situation that they're in allows him to then go in and groups, uh, that he takes in to be able to go in and distribute food and distribute supplies. And share the gospel with these people, right? And people that have never heard of Jesus before or never would have accepted Jesus before, they finally understand that there is hope beyond the situation that they live in, uh, that they can have hope in something uh, beyond them. And that's what this that's what this passage is talking about. Those people are not excited that their houses are getting blown up, right? They're not looking forward to the day when their home gets destroyed. I'm not saying that, but they are, uh, we are for them. Uh, Derek Thomas was glorying in the fact that, okay, while this is a, a brutal and awful situation that we don't want anyone to go through, uh, it is it is allowing the gospel to get to people's hearts and places where it did not have access before. Right? There were places where he could not go and share the gospel with people the way that he's able to now because of what's going on there. And so uh, God, God can work all those things together for good, but um, so the, the more... Uh, we have to think about the idea of enduring hardness or dealing with difficult times. Uh, you know, I want you guys to like keep it in the realm of like where you're at. I know that your difficult times is is different than the people in Ukraine's difficult times, but uh, when when you face difficulty, our our first reaction, our first thought should not be, uh, you know, why is this happening to me? This is so unfair. You know, those kinds of things. Uh, you know, God can use those things. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 12. So this whole passage or this whole chapter is is excellent. I recommend you guys read it, uh, Hebrews 12, especially this week as we get ready for camp. Uh, I would recommend you guys go through and read this. I don't know how much time I haven't uh, I haven't seen all of what Mason's going to be teaching on, but I gave him Second uh, Timothy two three and I gave him Hebrews 12 and I said this is kind of the direction that we want to go with this, and uh, then I let him run with it. So, uh, but but read this chapter this week. We're not going to read the whole thing because we don't have time for it, but. Uh, just starting in verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So that's referring back to Hebrews chapter 11, which, if you don't know, Hebrews chapter 11 is like the hall of fame of faith is what we call it. It's, it's a lot of men and women throughout the Bible that had extraordinary levels of faith and how God used those things. So the chapter 12 starts off saying, okay, seeing all these people, seeing the faith of all these people that were just listed in chapter 11, here's a challenge. Let us lay aside every weight 
and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he's saying, look at look at the faith of all these people. They went through a lot of things. right? You can read their whole story in the Old Testament. All these people have a lot of stuff written about them in the Old Testament that's really summed up in just a verse or a couple verses in Hebrews chapter 11. So he's saying, look at all these people. Look at the faith of all these uh, you know, champions of our faith, of, of the, the faith. It says, looking at all them, doesn't it make it a little bit easier for us to put aside the stuff that, that so easily besets us? Like the things that we maybe stumble at really easily, the, the, you know, our Wi-Fi is down, so our day is ruined. Those, those kinds of things that are just, those are such small obstacles, uh, that in the scope of things, when you think about it, you know, in terms of the people in the Ukraine, or and you think about it in some of the terms of what's happened to some of these people in Hebrews chapter 11, when you look at the the situations that they're facing, and you compare it with some of the difficulties that uh, sometimes knock us off track, uh, and get us distracted, or get us uh, frustrated, uh, you know, let us, let's lay aside all of that stuff. Like, there's so much more difficulty out there than, than the things that we experience. So lay aside those things. Get rid of the sin that does so easily beset us. Like the, the sin that bogs us down in life and the things that, uh, we look at as being, you know, so difficult and insurmountable. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Well, we know from Hebrews chapter 5 that patience comes from tribulations, right? Glorying in our tribulations brings about patience. So we need to run our race with patience. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Okay, that's the hope part of Hebrews or of Romans chapter five that we just read. Looking at Jesus, that that is our hope. Knowing that no matter how good or bad things are on this earth, we all have you know somewhere between zero and a hundred years of life, right? Or a hundred and ten years, maybe if you're really really lucky, right? Most of us have like seventy, eighty years on this on this earth. Uh, that's a pretty short amount of time. And then we have the hope of we have the hope of eternal life with Jesus, right? So when you know the next time that you know something difficult happens in your life, legitimately difficult or you know this kind of difficult, either one, when something difficult happens in your life, just know it, this life is so short; it goes by so fast. Uh, put your set your affection on things above, it says in Colossians. Like focus on Jesus, because He who it says who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. So Jesus uh, suffered, obviously, uh, you know, immensely on the cross for us. But he wasn't looking at it in that moment. He was looking beyond that, right? He was looking at the joy that was set before him. What was the joy that was set before Jesus? What was he looking at? What was he looking forward to when he was dealing with difficulties? Yes. What? Yeah. Heaven. Okay. Yes. Getting back to his father, yes. What else? His resurrection, he knew that was coming, yes. Anything else? What is the reason that Jesus came to the earth? To die for us, yes. John 3.16, right? Among other places. The joy that was set before Jesus is knowing what he was going through Right, knowing what was happening to him on the cross. Yes, he was going back to his father. Yes, he was going to resurrect. 
Yes, he could look forward to heaven, all of those things. But his purpose was being fulfilled. The reason that he came here, his whole purpose on this earth was to seek and to save that which was lost, right? To come here, to die on the cross for our sins, so that, yes, that he could go back to the Lord, to God the Father, but perhaps more importantly, that we could go to heaven to spend time with the Father, right? His his death on the cross was the pathway that made it possible for us to have eternal life. Okay? So when Jesus is going through the the pain and the uh, you know, tribulation of the cross. This this verse says that he is that he was uh, the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. A lot of times we don't think about that. Just the shame that goes along with being beaten and being naked in front of a bunch of people and hung up on a cross and people are laughing and making fun and just watching you literally die. Right? That's what I mean. There's, there's a lot of shame that goes into that. Okay, He despised the shame, uh, but now he is sat down uh, at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, His mission, his purpose, his whole reason for coming to the earth was being fulfilled in his death on the cross. Okay, So as he's going through that, he knows, I'm going through all of this for a purpose. Okay, So we're not going to read the rest of that chapter, but uh, all of the things we go through is for a purpose. Okay, God uses those things. If you read the rest of that chapter, uh, it talks about how God chastens, uh, you know, like a, like your parents spank you because they love you, right? Because that doesn't make sense when they're spanking you. My dad used to always say that to me. You know, this hurts me more than it hurts you. I'm doing this because I love you. All those types of things. And you're like, you're crazy. You just, you know, that's not true. <laughs> uh, it doesn't feel that way when you're a kid. But I can tell you as an adult that that is true, right? If you don't, if we don't correct the behavior of our children, then they're just going to continue doing the things that's causing them to get the punishment in the first place, right? It's because we love them and we want to see them grow and change and correct the behavior. Uh, God's the same way. God allows things in our life uh, that are difficult for us, right? God allowed Jesus Christ to suffer on the cross. Jesus allowed Himself to suffer on the cross, uh, not because He just enjoyed the pain, but because He knew that it was working towards something uh, greater. It was working towards uh, the salvation of mankind. The the only way that uh, that we could spend eternity in heaven was if he went through that. So if we are fulfilling our purpose, which is what? What is our purpose? Why are we here? Yes, Colton. To worship God. That's part of it. Yes. To spread the gospel. That's our yeah. That's our mission. Our purpose. Once we're saved, our mission is to evangelize. Right. To tell people about Jesus. When we're fulfilling our purpose, okay, it makes the difficulties a little bit easier to bear. If our if our sights are set on Jesus, just like Jesus' sights were set on God the Father, right, and on eternity, that yeah, I mean, He was thinking of us on the cross, right? He was thinking of me. He was thinking of you. Uh, he had His affection, His desire, His vision set on something beyond what He was going through, and uh, and that got Him through that that situation. When we set our affection on eternity, when I when I set my affection on, okay, I'm going through this, which is a difficult thing, but maybe somebody around me can see how how I handle this situation. Um, some of you guys know the Horvaths. Uh, we lead the prayer team for the Horvaths. They're in Hungary. They're missionaries there. So they found out like a year, a little over a year ago, that they were pregnant. Okay, they went in to the doctor. 
to confirm that they were pregnant. The doctor said, I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is you're having a baby. The bad news is you were pregnant with twins and one of the babies has died already. Okay, and the other baby is healthy and we think the other baby is going to be fine. Now that baby was born, that baby is fine. He's like eight months old now, nine months old, something like that. He was born in, I think, October, November last year. Isaac, yeah. So when I remember whenever he wrote his next update to everybody and he sent it out saying, hey, you know, we're, we're pregnant. Uh, we were pregnant with twins. Uh, we lost one of the babies, but uh, we still have this other baby and just pray for us. And his wife said something in, in like the newsletter, or I think, I don't remember how I heard it, but she said basically that they were handling it so well, or she was able to process it and handle it because people were coming to them and like, man, I'm so sorry that you lost this baby. And of course, that's a tragic and terrible thing. And she was, of course, sad about it. But she was saying like, if people can see how we deal with this difficult situation and that they can see that we have peace about this and we can get through this thing and, and we can be an example to show other people how to process, you know, grief and difficult things. She's like, you know, that will make it, that will make it worth it basically. And so I just thought it was a really, it was a different perspective of looking at that. She wasn't looking at it as I lost this baby, even though she did. She was looking at it saying, if somebody gets saved, if one person gets saved because we lost this baby and they see us dealing with this tragic situation, uh, it will be worth it, right? She had her sights set on something beyond the situation that they were in and she had it set on something that was eternal, uh, like this verse is talking about. She wasn't looking at this tragedy. She was looking at Jesus Christ and how can he get the glory from this situation? How can somebody come to know him as their savior because of how I and my husband and my son handle this tragedy? And I just thought that was a really uh, interesting thing that she was, an uh, interesting perspective that she was able to have uh, in that situation. So uh, so read Hebrews chapter 12. Um, we'll be talking about that kind of stuff throughout camp. Uh, Mason will have all kinds of other examples. Hopefully I didn't steal much of his thunder. I haven't seen his notes yet, but um, that's the that's the the purpose behind the camp is just it, it's not so we just look forward to or get excited about going through difficult situations. But none of us is going to make it out of this life without going through some difficulties. It's how we respond to the difficulties. It's how we handle ourselves in those difficult situations. It's it's you know what's our perspective on those situations? Those kinds of things. How do we go through and endure? Hardness, endure difficult situations, and how do we, uh, you know, process those things? And how can we use the use our, uh, you know, tragedies or our difficult times to lead others to Christ? Okay. Anybody have any questions about that? I'll answer your question about the camp in a minute. Nothing. All right. Let's pray, and then we can go. Or if you have questions about camp, you can ask. Dear God, thank you for uh, this evening. God, just thank you for just an opportunity to, to just get our hearts prepared for camp. God, I just pray that um, over these next few days as we get ready to leave for camp, God, I pray that you would even just be working on all of us right now, God, and just thinking about um, difficult situations that we have faced. God, all of us have, have faced some kind of difficulty in our life and uh, some more than others, God, but I pray that you would just help us to really consider uh, how do we handle those situations um, God, are we are we uh, growing distant from you? Are we are we blaming you for our problems? Are we blaming other people for our problems? Uh, God, or, or do we have the perspective that uh, that there must be a reason for this, and that 
uh, we just want you to get the glory out of it, God. I know I'm I'm guilty of it as everybody else, and as uh, and not looking that looking at it that way, God. But I pray that uh, we would just be thinking about those things as we enter into camp, and God, that you just give us a good, safe, fun uh, week. But most importantly, God, I pray that we would all just grow and and uh, come away from camp with something that we can apply in our life and and uh, a new way to look at maybe difficulties that we're facing even now, God. And I uh, just ask your blessing on the rest of these days as we prepare to go. And I ask for your blessing on those that uh, weren't able to be here tonight, God, that are coming to camp. I pray that you just help them get ready as well. And uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Colton, what is your question? So you know, last